Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Seti Coscarella is the founder and CEO of TAT, T-A-A-T, a tobacco-free and nicotine-free cigarette company that is publicly traded. TAT is playing the role of a major disruptor through patented product innovation and friendly familiarization by means of CBD. SETI knows that there's only a handful of brands out there that have successfully penetrated existing old school trillion dollar industries. It's our job as leaders to keep pushing forward when others are saying you can't do it and SETI can show us how. Welcome, Seti Coscarella. How are you? I'm great, Lily. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I sure am. Awesome. All right, Seti. Tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Sure thing. So I've had a bit of a varied career. I've, I've worked in a lot of different industries. I graduated with my MBA, went to go work in investment banking. So that really gave me a crash course in corporate finance and how uh, the stock market actually works. From there, I went to go work in private equity for a number of years, and that really gave me great insight and hands-on management and leadership on how companies actually work. And then from there, I started my own business. Mm-hmm. So I put all of those learnings into practice and started a live events business and sold that after about four years. And then I got to work at Philip Morris which some of your listeners may know is one of the largest, if not the largest tobacco company in the world. And what we were doing there is figuring out how to commercialize a new industry vertical for them, which is called heat, not burn. So it's in their reduced risk portfolio. So they were looking at still providing their consumer base with a product they would otherwise want to consume, but in a format that would be less risky than smoking cigarettes. So In doing that, I really got to understand a lot more about what smokers like about smoking, what they don't like about smoking, and why they might consider different alternatives. And from there, I got introduced to the company that I'm at now called TAT. And when I got introduced to them, they had a new product in that category. So it's a form of a combustible cigarette, but they were looking at replacing tobacco and eliminating nicotine so that the product itself wouldn't be addictive. And from my knowledge of what smokers were looking for, I knew that you'd be hard pressed to find one of the one and a half billion smokers in the world that was happy that they were addicted to doing something. And I think they would much rather prefer having the choice back or the freedom to choose back so that they could make the decision for themselves. And I thought that the value proposition was so compelling 
that I ended up moving over and taking the helm as CEO at TAT. And, I, and I'm very thankful and grateful that I did because I do think that we're providing, you know, over a billion and a half people worldwide a viable choice in their consumption so that they can decide if they want to smoke, they can smoke. If they don't want to smoke, they don't have to smoke. I mean, the logic I used is if you were to take tobacco and overlay it on top of alcohol, all of the consumers would be alcoholics. But alcohol does just fine without relying on all of its consumers to be alcoholics, because for the vast majority of alcoholic consumers, they have the choice. If you want to drink, have a drink. You don't want to drink, don't have a drink. And I think that we could do the same thing on the tobacco side. And that's really what TAT does. It gives smokers the ability to choose because our product is non-addictive, yet still satisfies the same way as a cigarette would. I'm a little confused. So sure. are you saying that alcohol is not addictive? No, I'm saying alcohol has the potential to be addictive. However, for the vast majority of consumers, they are not addicted to alcohol. And yeah. alcohol is not an industry that's built on Got creating it. an addiction in order to sell their product. Got it. Tobacco, on the other hand, is. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I left Philip Morris, a lot of people came to me and said, well, how are you going to sell this thing because it's not addictive? Uh -huh. And I thought that that was absurd. Yeah. Well, every other product that sells doesn't need to be addictive. I mean, peanut butter is not addictive. Any other product you find in the grocery store is an addictive and I'll buy it with a certain degree of regularity. So why can't we do the same thing here? Why is the industry overly reliant on that crutch? Can't we free people from that addiction? And instead, if they want to smoke, they can smoke. If they don't, they don't have to. Right. And that's what I think TAT does. So clearly you're a disruptor. <laughs> yeah, I think if you spoke to people throughout my career, they'd probably say that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a smoker. Are you a smoker? I used to be. Are you a user of the product? Tell us what your experience has been. I mean, obviously I've tried the product to make sure that it's in line with where it should be, but I'm not otherwise a smoker. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always caveat this product with is we're not here to try to get people who don't smoke to start smoking. In fact, if you don't smoke, much like you, don't start. It's right. not something you should do. If you do smoke, you should likely quit. Again, it's not mm -hmm. something that you should continue to do. But if you do smoke and you're not looking to quit or you're looking for something else, then I suggest you try TAT. Again, I always wanted to build a company that could help people. And I think that we're doing that with this particular segment. I'm not here to create a new problem. I'm here to help right. try to solve an existing one. Clearly, you're passionate about it, Seti. Now, where can we get more information on this? So we're a publicly traded company. So if you wanted more information on the company, and what we do, you can go to tatglobal.com or you can follow us on social at tatglobal. If you wanted to learn more about the individual product, if you're a smoker, you can go to tritat.com or you could follow us on social at tritat. And that's tat, T-A-A-T. Correct. Perfect. Now, as a lifelong learner, Seti, what are you learning right now? Oh, I'm learning how to deal virtually with... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It's something. I mean, we started this company in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm in Toronto, Canada. We have our operations in Las Vegas. We have a lot of our capital markets team in Vancouver. We're beginning commercialization in Europe. So I have a team over there. We've got investors in Hong Kong and all of this has been done through Zoom. So, you know, getting something off the ground and getting everybody to sort of try to sing from the same song sheet has been an interesting experience that I don't think anybody really walked in here knowing what to do. 
from that perspective. And what it sort of taught me is how elastic people actually are. You'd be surprised at how much stress you can deal with when you're faced with it. Because so long as you have the ability to keep putting one foot in front of the other, you'll keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know, we've done a tremendous job of organizing all of these resources and figuring out, okay, who's going to be responsible for what? How do we make sure that everybody's held accountable for what they have to do? And we all hold each other accountable. And I think that it's been really a tremendous experience that I wouldn't have otherwise imagined, but for a global pandemic, I guess. You speak of stress, and I think we've all felt that. So what are some things that you do for self-care to make sure that you are where you need to be so that you can serve your clients? You know, having a physical regimen is important. So I try to work out at least every other day. I'll get up early. I mean, I, I got two young kids, so get up before they do, do your workout, get them ready for school and off to school. I think it's important to even just take half an hour or something, go for a walk. Usually yes. I come home, put the kids to bed. You know, after they go off to bed, I'll just go for a walk for half an hour just to kind of clear your head and decompress. I mean, you have to give yourself the time to do a little bit of that. Otherwise, the world will drive you crazy. <laughs> and you I mean, can get addicted to anything at that point. That's pretty true. much. <laughs> pretty much. And I think it's important to kind of just give yourself the time to think freely. That's something that I do. Don't govern your thoughts almost. Just let your mind wander and you'd be surprised at the nooks and crannies it finds itself in. And you never know, there might be something of value there that you wouldn't have otherwise got to had you sort of kept that regiment on. Yeah, that's super and important. Daydream. It's okay. Yeah. You're super busy. And the fact that you get to take that time, you're feeding yourself, you're taking care of yourself so that your cup is full so that you can help serve your community, the people that you work with and the clients mm -hmm. you work with. So yeah. um, you've got big dreams, Seti, and your dreams are expanding. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, when you think of leadership today, Mm -hmm. What most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? You know, I think oftentimes people think that leadership is somehow akin to being a dictator and that changing your mind is somehow a form of weakness. And I think that it's important that you listen to your consumers, that you listen to your employees, that you really try to put yourself in their shoes and understand their perspective and their point of view because people are different and i think if you try to apply the same methodology to everybody it becomes a challenge you create for yourself so i think being empathetic to people's situation as best you can understanding how they look at things and being malleable enough to either admit if you've maybe made a mistake or if you're thinking about something wrong and being open to having that discussion because otherwise people won't share those things with you. And if they don't, you're always going to be very myopic in how you see the world. So just listening to what you're saying, there are a couple of things that stand out. You value listening, which is to me a pillar of leadership. You value empathy mm -hmm. and you value diversity. Absolutely. And because so again, you can't be homogenous in how you approach the world. Even if you think about consumers, consumers are not homogenous. They're diverse. Right. And there's different voices that are going to speak to them in a way that you may or may not understand. And if you're too regimented in your own way of thinking, 
I think you miss out on a lot of opportunities that would otherwise be present. Yes, you're absolutely right. Now, you have an option here, Seti. You can take a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge or a struggle that you learned from. All right, let's start with a question from another guest. All right, here we go. So Colin Hunter wants to know, what is the quirky you that you've never shown or told others about? The quirky me. Yes. Let's see. I've been a fan of professional wrestling since I was a little kid. And, you know, a lot of times people ask me, like, who's my favorite business person? And I'd probably have to say it's Vince McMahon. <laughs> it's <just> sound weird. <laughs> but if you strip back the sort of nature of what it is, what he was able to achieve with what was effectively, well, at least initially, the sideshow of a circus yeah. is incredible. I mean, he's created a global behemoth off of something that a lot of people would probably turn their nose to. And I think you have to take your hat off to that. And I think that the work that they, the individual athletes and wrestlers do is no different than what you would go and enjoy at Cirque du Soleil, right? Mm -hmm. Except they're getting beat up day in, day out. <laughs> and yet they show up the next day and do it again. And I think there's a lot of interesting lessons you can pull from some of the stories that are told in that sphere. I guess that's probably one of the quirkier things about me that I usually don't tell people. Did you ever get into the, um, the Mexican um, mask Lucha wrestlers? Lucha Libre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to watch it all. I still do from time to time. It's fascinating. It's a whole different world and it kind of helps you sort of suspend your disbelief. It's actually pretty entertaining. Right. That's probably one of the quirkier things about me. There you go. And we've yeah. heard it first here on Master Leadership. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as a listener of this podcast, what's a question that you would like to pose to a future leadership guest? Like, what are you curious about? The world is changing so quickly. How are you able to manage through such a rapid pace of change? I mean, if you even think about it, from when I grew up. So I was out with my kids this weekend mm -hmm. and we went to an antique shop. My son walks up to a rotary phone. Oh. My son's eight. Papa, what the hell is this? <laughs> well, that's a telephone. How? And it's amazing that you know, we grew up throughout all of that change. And I think sometimes we almost take it for granted at how fast things changed throughout our life. Yes. And I showed him a record. I said, you know what this is? He goes, yes, it's a CD. I'm like, no. <laughs> then you start to feel old and you're like, oh, <laughs> right. And I think we managed well through that change because at least it seems like it took some time. But if you think back now, five years ago, 10 years ago, a lot of the things that we take for granted today weren't even around. That's right. And that pace of change is accelerating. So how do you manage when you have a new crop of employees coming in that are so fundamentally different and they're advanced in different ways from your existing pool of employees and, and integrating them in a way that creates cohesion and not division. Because sometimes you get people, oh, I want to run this way, or you know, experience tells you you should run this way. Well, the experience doesn't count anymore because the world has changed and now we're running in this direction. And I think there's somewhere down the middle. And I think sometimes we get stuck thinking that we should either turn left or turn right when really we should maybe go down the center. So I think 
better understanding how we can manage through that rapid pace of change is something that would probably interest me from the perspective of other leaders. Yeah, and you, what comes to mind too is what you said, suspending disbelief and using your imagination more, which is how I think you handle that. I try to not be as rigid in my thought and decision-making. Like there's certain things that I think, okay, we got to do this way. We're going to go this way. We're, we're going to go that way. But in other cases, there is sort of room for some gray that can help shade the answer. I mean, oftentimes there is no right answer, right? That's right. I've used this one before. Like there's no right way going left or going right. The only wrong thing is doing nothing. Mm -hmm. So we can't do nothing. We got to do something. Right. And so you've done a lot of work. Are there any books or resources that you could recommend to our listeners that have helped you most? Well, my favorite book, I've probably heard this a hundred times, is uh, Think and Grow Rich. I think it's the foundation upon which a lot of other either self-help or sort of sales leadership or any of these other sort of influencers that you see now, whether it's Tony Robbins or Grant Cardone or Zig Ziglar, whomever it might be. I think a lot of it is all based out of that book. And it's a book that was written at the turn of the century. And I think really, if you apply the teachings of it, you'd be surprised at what happens. I remember when I was at Philip Morris, I said, I'm going to be the CEO of a public company. Everybody laughed. At me. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I am. That chapter um, on desire, that chapter on imagination. And I think there really is something to that law of attraction. If you convince yourself that this is going to happen, you somehow will find a way to make it happen. And it's no different than what we've done with TAC. A year ago, we were still in product development. A year later, we're in over a thousand stores. We're in 20 states in the US. We've got international orders. We're doing this all virtually in the middle of a pandemic. Wow. It's, again, nothing short of a testament to we believed we could and we did. You have disrupted and you continue to disrupt. And I love that. All right. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Again, if people are smokers and they want to learn more about the product, I encourage them to do so. And if they'd like to learn more about the company as a whole, same. You know, obviously they can follow us on social. They can go to our website because I think it's an interesting story. And I think that we're trying to tackle a very, very large problem that has a market that is way bigger than most people would think. Like to put it in perspective, tobacco does about a trillion dollars a year globally in sales. Bottled water does 250 billion. Tobacco's four times as big as water. That's how big this market is and the market that we're going after. And the sort of fight in front of us. Mm -hmm. And every day we wake up ready to roll up our sleeves and fight. So I appreciate how you're fighting for people's health or restoration of health. And I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners, Eddie. It's been a good conversation. Thank you, Lily. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.